We are back for episode 180 of the Sales Development Podcast, powered by Tenbound, hosted by the incomparable David Delaney. My name is James Bodden, and I am fired up for this episode because David brought on somebody who is an absolute aficionado when it comes to sales development. Tracy Arisco, Director of Sales Development at Huntress, joins us for episode 180. David wastes zero time and gets right into Tracy's journey into sales development. She talks about how she kind of just fell into this space, how that led to her building a company called Managed Sales Pros, you may have heard of it, wildly successful outsourced sales development company. She talks about her journey into the space. As the conversation progresses, at the 10-minute mark, Tracy explains the concept of quarterly scorecards for your organization, how it empowers business leaders, and it's just such an interesting concept. The conversation evolves at minute 24, Tracy starts talking about how she built the culture of her current SDR team starting from the ground up. After leaving managed sales pros, transferring from the outsourced sales development world to the in-house sales development world and the differences between the two. At the 30 minute mark, David asks Tracy how she deals with doubters. When she encounters somebody that doubts her process, even though she's got this wealth of experience behind her, how she keeps her ego in check and deals with people that love to doubt the process. As the episode wraps up at minute 40, David and Tracy talk about the power of working with a team of allies like the team she has at Huntress and just how much of an accelerant that is to growth and ultimately a fantastic team culture. Look, Tracy is someone who has lived and breathed this world for so long and brings so much great insight to this episode. Please leave us a review and a rating. Head over to 10bound.com to check out all of the other episodes, all 179. But for now, enjoy episode 180 of the Sales Development Podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am joined today by a very, very interesting guest. You're going to learn a ton about sales development and the different industries and how they can potentially meld together. Tracy Arisco is Director of Sales Development over at Huntress. Tracy, how are you doing today? I'm great, David. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for coming on. I'm super excited because you've got expertise in several different areas that I am super interested in, and I think our audience will love to hear about. Tracy, before we get started, how did you get into sales development and make it over to Huntress? I think it started as an accident. So you and I have known each other for a number of years. You know that I worked with Carrie and we built Managed Sales Pros together. Managed Sales Pros started by accident on a trip to Disneyland. I like to say I fell in love with the channel on the Tower of Terror. <laughs> okay. Tell us about that, though, the channel and Managed Sales Pros. Absolutely. So Managed Sales Pros was born out of a discovery that Carrie made when she was working with the Eureka Project up in Manitoba, Canada. Yes. IT firms needed new clients, and they were struggling to identify how to sell. They could make the sale if they had someone in front of them, but getting them to 
that one-on-one meeting is a skill that most companies didn't have. They were run by techs who had gotten tired of working for other people and had begun their own companies. We fell into a niche or a niche market by accident. And then I fell in love with the idea of growing what we call the channel, that managed services space. Got it. And managed sales pros was specific to the niche of managed service providers, which are what? Companies that provide outsourced IT to other businesses, usually in the SMB market. They're anywhere from a one-man band right up to a 50, 60, 100-person shop, but most of them sell into the SMB market. Got it. Okay. And then, so you and Carrie were at Disneyland. And by the way, Carrie's been on the show before. If you don't know about Carrie Simpson, just drop everything and (laughs) go pause this, go read her stuff. She's amazing. You and Carrie were at Disneyland and you go, these people are techies. And if they can get in front of the right audience, then they're golden, but they just can't make those cold calls. Correct. And I had done a cold calling stint when I was 17. I sold portrait packages and it was the sketchiest cold calling job, just like everyone believes. Cold calling is terrible and this job was terrible. I was really good at it. I couldn't allow my moral compass to let me keep that job. I'm pretty sure those people didn't get their portrait packages. However, it made me realize that the job that I was doing at the time we went to Disney was supporting the CIO and the CEO of a fairly large regional health authority up in Canada, I was taking 50 cold calls a day. And I think the defining moment of the beginning of managed sales pros for me was realizing that one day a cold call had actually saved my job. I had been asked to find some budget that just didn't exist anywhere. And I got a cold call that day. And because I was in the right frame of mind at the right place at the right time, the cold caller asked me a question. After I said, thanks very much. I'm not really interested in that. We have a system that works. We've audited it and I really like it, but I appreciate your time. He said this, how much does that cost you? A month? I'm glad you've got good service. Asking that question made me realize that no one had ever asked me to audit the cost of that. And all of a sudden, there was my budget. It turned out we were paying 12 cents a minute and they were offering two. I made the budget that we needed in a 30-second phone call. Cold calling works if you do it right. And that was okay. the premise that we tried to bring over to Manage Sales Pros. Okay, got it. So you start, you start Manage Sales Pros and then how does that, how does that go now at post-Disneyland? You know? Well, you know that Carrie and I are sisters. So it goes really well on some days and really (laughs) challenging on others. (laughs) Carrie and I are what we like to call two sides of the same coin. Carrie is our entrepreneur, our thinker, our dreamer, and I was our doer. Carrie likes to put things out before they're ready and see if we can sell them. I like to package them up all nice and pretty with a bow and then give them away. So we spent the next six years building a business that was known for two things. One, having innovative ideas, and two, getting it done. We built a strong, visible presence in the managed services channel. We attended every event known to man. We did a lot of guerrilla marketing, and we began to build a reputation. And the reputation was, we're not going to promise you the moon. We're going to tell you this is hard work. And if you want to do it yourself, we can train you, but this is what it's going to take. You don't want to do that? Great. 
this is how long it'll take for us to get you rolling. And we developed a no-nonsense brand that was permeated by, if anyone's ever seen us in public, cigars and bourbon. And we <laughs> set out to work to grow the industry. The industry of outsourcing or the industry of managed service providers? Both. Okay. So Carrie and I have a growth mindset. And we're both big believers in the idea that you don't hoard your knowledge. You need to give your knowledge away like you have millions and millions of dollars. Give it to everyone because there is room for everyone in the industry. We weren't the only player in the game. We might have felt we were better than some of the players in the game, but there was always room for improvement. So we shared our knowledge, not just with managed service providers that were just starting out, not just with companies that were looking to get started, and not just with established firms. We worked with other outsourced companies that did what we did to help them grow. We learned from them. They learned from us. Some of, I think, our closest peers in the industry were the other players in the outsourced market. We knew that if they got better, we would also get better because there's a drive behind being better than everybody else. And so you niched down. And actually, that's how I initially met you and Carrie, because I was working at a software company that sold to the managed service provider market. And we had contracted with several outsource firms and yours was the only one that could deliver. You know that you were my first channel vendor client? That is you so were the interesting. program I cut my teeth on in the vendor space. So we used your program to build the cornerstone foundation of what became the largest part of our business. Okay. There we go. Well, I can tell you that, you know, for the direct to, you know, end user market, we tried like three or four different outsourced companies. They they all failed miserably. And yours was the only one that could actually do it. So you must have been doing something right. We developed a process. So everybody knows me as the SOP police. If it is not a standard operating procedure, we're probably not doing it. And if we're doing it, we're going to create a standard operating procedure for it. The definition of insanity is something I talk about all the time, where you do the same thing over and over again, and you expect different results. In cold calling, in outsourced prospecting, you want to do the exact same thing every single time because it will bring you the same results. Standardized process is what makes especially an outsourced program work. You are representing yourself as another company. And in doing that, you need to ensure brand protection. The only way you can do that is by following a process. Okay. So this is a, this is a good segue because you introduced me to the entrepreneur operating system. They call it EOS. It's a great book. There's a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. There's a whole like cult, <laughs> I want to say, around this for you know, crazy entrepreneurs who have a million ideas, but they don't have any standard operating procedures. And you became an expert, really, and an advocate in EOS. So for people that don't know what EOS is, what is the operating entrepreneur operating system? And how did you implement that? EOS is a business methodology. Every business needs to choose one. We chose Traction. Traction was built by Gino Wickman. But what Gino Wickman did was take methodology from other business processes and build a process that was focused around structure, around accountability. I think it took me three years to convince Carrie to bring 
traction and EOS into our business. The purpose of traction is give you standardized process to follow. Everybody knows what they're doing annually, quarterly, weekly, and daily. We use things like rocks, which are your most important pieces, the foundation of your business. We build those out on a quarterly basis and identify what is the piece. So EOS focuses on what are you going to do right now in this 90 days that is going to grow your business? What are the most important pieces? If these are only the only things you do, they will grow your business. And if you don't do them, you will stagnate. We worked with an EOS facilitator because we were a family-led business. We needed someone from the outside to help us facilitate. And we chose Jameson West as our facilitator, and it made all the difference in the world. Our business thrived the year we brought Traction on board. Okay. So, you know, there's different business systems, like you mentioned. There's a big thing in the software industry that's OKRs, right? There's the OKRs, there's the various different things that people hear about. But essentially, you know, what it does is it takes, you know, you've got all these ideas, there's all this information out there. There's just too much. You're flooded with information every day. And you can get into the point where you're, if you're leading an organization that you get sort of deer in the headlights, right? So it gives you a framework. And you mentioned every 90 days, it's very quarterly focused. And so it never gets stale, it seems. It gives you this framework to create the system of business results and gain traction, right? And it allows you to see where your company's at. So part of traction is developing a scorecard for your company. And that scorecard is looked at every week. So you know what your quarterly goals are. You break them down into what are we seeing on a weekly basis? And the idea is, let's suggest your leadership decides they want to go live on a desert island. This is not something Carrie wasn't already thinking of. So it was a really good analogy for us. If someone brought you a mojito on a beautiful platter with a copy of your scorecard, you would know was your business failing or thriving that week. You would know, should you go home or are are things on track? Because the scorecard measured, usually it's 10 to 15 things on a weekly basis that you need to know as an owner. And if those things are all in the black, you are on track. Everyone is doing what they should, because if they're not, your numbers are in the red. Right. Then do you go back to the mojito or do you have another mojito? I go to all the mojitos (laughs) at that point. But what what you do then is you're able to check in with the people that lead each section of that organization. So you assign parts of the scorecard to various people in your leadership team. And then they may delegate those tasks to someone underneath them. So just because I was responsible for all of the revenue didn't mean that someone else wasn't helping me bring that in or leading a part of the team that was responsible for revenue. But overall, it was my, I was accountable for those numbers. Right. And instead of an org chart, there's an accountability chart. So you look at that chart and you go, okay, the buck stops with Tracy on the revenue. Yeah. Okay. And one of the Got reasons it. that really appealed to me, David, is because as we learn in outbound prospecting, it doesn't matter what your title is. What matters is what do you do in that organization? I've held a number of titles. I've been a president. I've been a chief revenue officer. I'm now a director. What my title is doesn't make a difference to me. What is important is what is that role functionality inside that company. So when I teach my outbound sales agents, we talk about decision-making process. 
who does what and how do you get there? Because the only way to prospect properly is to know what the person who you're in front of does, not what their title is. What their accountability What they're accountable is. for. Right. Right. Okay. So the question is, you know, I think leaders have strengths and weaknesses, right? And, and so the people that listen to this are running sales development teams and they're in the sales development world. And some of them may be more visionary where, you know, process schmashesh, you know, we're just going to do this every day. And then some are more, what do they call it? Like an implementer, right? They're more of that, you know, process and SOPs and things like that. How do we bring in some of the components of EOS to help run a successful sales development organization? I think where that comes in most is the scorecard piece. As an implementer, which was the role I held in traction at Managed Sales Pros, as the implementer, my job was to make sure that process-driven prospecting was driving the numbers in our scorecard. So for Carrie, we gave Carrie visionary rocks come up with 20 ideas. That's a rock for someone that thinks like an entrepreneur. Carrie had zero interest in the day-to-day. As the implementer, my job was to keep the company on track through traction. And when we think about how that rolls down into the sales development team, sales dev is all process. There is magic there, David. Don't let me steer you wrong in that respect. One of my favorite phrases, and anyone that's ever worked for me knows I end most of my meetings with, okay, let's go make some magic. But the magic comes from being in the right time at the right place. People will talk a lot about luck, but traction will teach us that luck is simply lining yourself up properly through accountable action to be in the right time at the right place. It's a combination of art and science, right? Because you've got the art is the sales skills, the soft skills, this, you know, convincing someone, all that stuff. And then the science is your scorecard and, and the process. And it's how you blend those things together. Yeah. You can't teach authenticity. Authenticity is a skill that sales development reps bring to the table. It's the piece that makes them them. When I hire whether it was managed sales pros or now here at Huntress, I hire with an eye to what is your authentic self and what did you show me in the interview process that helps me determine what do you bring to the table? doesn't matter how many cold calls you can make. That's numbers. That's teachable. But you can't fake authenticity long enough to get through the process with me. Okay. So when you transferred from this outsource world where you, you had a lot of control, right? Because you helped found the company and, you know, you knew where all the bodies were buried and everything. And so you had a lot of control over how you wanted it set up. Now, so you, you made this a very successful outsourced process and got a lot of customers, very successful. Then you went to the in-house world. So now you're working for a company And there's all those pluses and minuses of having a job, which sounds pretty good, you know? And so you're working for a company. How did you take all that learning and the process orientation from Traction and apply it to your new gig? Well, it's funny that you say that because when Hunters approached me about the idea of coming to work with them, I did say to Andrew Kaiser, I think I might be unemployable. You want me to come to work at the same time every day? Boy, that's a blast from the past. Oh, well. What a guy. He's... Another one of those just amazing people. But anyways, he's the one who came and got you? 
he and Kyle Hanselman tag teamed until wow. I gave okay. in. And you're just like, look, I'm unemployable at this point. I'm unemployable. Okay. I, I went from, again, I grew up in the industry working with my sister. So I would say, again, people would say I got lucky. I didn't. I worked my butt off. But I did it in an environment where there was no risk of failure because we were sisters. I made one huge error and we won't go into it today, but I once made this huge, huge financial error. And all I could think was, well, that sucks. I'm going to have to tell my sister I did something stupid. Not I'm going to get fired because that wasn't the way that we worked. When I had an opportunity to come over to Huntress, I thought about a few things. And I think you've really laid one of those out. How do I take the way that I built a company and fit it inside another company? How do I take traction into a new company without trying to rock the boat on what they believe is really important? How do I take our core values and our mission statement, which is really important to me still, and begin to morph that into something at Huntress? And I believe that I came over here with the full support of an executive team who said, look, we know that you are skilled. We know I'm known as lead gen rock star in my day-to-day life, my phone comes on meetings as lead gen rock star. If I ever get one of those terrible vanity license plates, that's what it will say. <laughs> my Slack name in other channels is lead gen rock star. They came to me and said, look, we are hiring you or we want to hire you because you have the talent to get it done. We already know that. So go and figure out how to do it here. I was given the ability to do a couple of things. One, when we were working with clients that would transition from working with us as an outsource company, to hiring their own in-house people, we would work with them on training that staff. It's really hard to manage people internally after you've given someone else the ability to run that business. And Huntress had done that. Huntress had given managed sales pros. I ran their programming for four and a half years before I came internal. So I knew them from the inside already, but I also knew that what they thought was important, we also felt was important. Challenge assumptions is one of the core values at Huntress. And I taught my team on the basis of we have open door policies here. So I was able to take a lot of what we did at Managed Sales Pros. One of our core values is find the joy. And I was able to say to to the exec team at Huntress, I want that core value inside my own team. We have core values at Huntress. I want to make sure that this one comes with me and we build on it every day. So the key for a successful transition for me, was twofold. One, I had the support of an executive team who already knew what I could do. They came looking for me. It makes it easier to build. They also said, we're going to let you do it your way. We'll challenge you where we don't think you are making solid choices, and we expect you to challenge us when we come to you and naysay. There's been a few instances in the last, I've been with them for four months, There have been some instances where I have been challenged on the way I want to build, and there has been open, transparent communication. One of the benefits for me was I brought someone with me from Managed Sales Pros. I had Edie Moore leading my team at Huntress's programming, and I was able to transition her with me to Huntress. And it was really important that she was given an opportunity to lead the team as well. Moving in with someone in your corner is helpful. 
but she brought the process-driven prospecting that I had taught. You need to... So she could mentor and yeah. help people. Yeah. Yeah. Bring that. Edie knew my in. brain. Yeah. Just like Carrie knew my brain, Edie knew my brain. And it helped me transition so that I knew someone was on the ground doing exactly what I wanted done while I built the rest of the team because I had to go out and hire all new staff. We didn't have an inside team. You know, that's funny because one of the things about hiring a rock star VP of sales is that they usually bring, you know, two or three of their top reps over with them. But you can't do that. I mean, not necessarily can't, but a lot of times you, that's hard to do in the sales development industry, right? Because those rock stars end up becoming salespeople or yes. rock star marketers. You grow or, them to go right. somewhere else. And then they're gone. But you were able to bring somebody to inculcate, I don't know if that's a word, but you know, get your culture really in there on the ground. It made a big difference and it also helped me focus on the important pieces. Building a team from scratch all over again, that was the question for me. Did I have that drive still? Could I rebuild? I built Managed Salesforce with Carrie from the ground up. Could I do it again? And one of the benefits for me, and one of the things I was really excited about was that all of a sudden, I didn't have 30 companies I was building, David. I had one. I have one company to build. I would to tell you that when I get it's up okay. in the morning and I think I only have one team to report to today, it is like, I don't, it's magical and exciting for me. I have one person to make happy today and that's my boss. And that's it. I don't have 30 clients breathing down my neck asking where their meetings are. I can <laughs> focus on one thing. And so transitioning for me from outsource to in-house meant that I had one set of problems, not 30. That's pretty darn nice. And and so why didn't you go down to run around in Mexico for six months before you started just so you could kind of chill out and do yoga? Anyone that knows me knows that I have zero ability to do nothing. To chill out. It is not. The only place that I chill out is underwater. I'm a scuba diver. I picked okay. it up early in my sales industry days. And that is the place that I go to unwind. I think part of the reason that I didn't take time off because I could have, pandemic put us in an odd position. There wasn't really anywhere to go and hang out for me. Scuba diving was off the plate for most places because travel was challenging. And the idea of taking a vacation where I did nothing but lay on a beach, that terrifies me. You don't seem like the beach layer person. I am not. I am not the, you know, I want to be on a boat with a dozen other people Doing exploring stuff. 100 feet under. And you can't do, you couldn't do that at, at COVID's peak, which is where we transitioned out of managed sales present and in Tantras. Okay. So, and one other thing that's interesting is you said the success came from the support of the exec team. So they, they knew that you're a rock star bringing you in, but they respectfully challenged it because I just looked back at my past and you get into some companies where, Suddenly, they know everything about sales development, and they're you know really pushing back or undercutting you. And eventually, I just got sick of it and just left. I'm like, I'm becoming a consultant, you know. And so you've been challenged, but they're respectful and they know that you know what you're doing. Absolutely, and I think it's important to challenge. I was challenged on where are you going to get your staff from. I was challenged on why is that metric important. I have been challenged on you're a little bit too much stick and not enough carrot, which I fully cop to. 
I am 100% the person that gets up in the morning and just says, well, do your job. That's what I hired you for. I think Can't like that. that. I anticipate anymore. everyone is going to give 120%. But everybody gets a eighth place blue ribbon and is terrific. Not in my world. <laughs> However, I have learned that everyone likes a eighth place ribbon, but everyone really deserves a first place ribbon if they're doing their job. And when I brought scorecards to the team, the rest of the company started looking at that. I metric my team on a number of things. And one of the things I metric them on is how do you work in the database? As a sales development rep, it's not just what you're doing on the phone. That's important. But it's how are you, I call it the hit by a bus scenario. A rumor has it you should call it the win the lottery scenario because it's more positive facing. What do you do when someone leaves? Could someone pick up that job? I mean, that's a huge part of of the outsourced, right? because you have mm-hmm. people coming and going. You got to be ready. If someone wins the lottery, they're not there tomorrow. So sorry, go on. Yeah. If someone wins a lottery, someone has to be able to step in. But I was challenged on some of the metrics that I wanted to put into place by leadership where they said, I don't know that that's important. This metric, I have some, I have some metrics for my SDRs that are pass-fail. Dial count, for example. It's pass-fail. You either did it or you didn't. If you don't meet this metric, your variable pay is up for question because this metric says I'm doing my job every day. If you don't do that, you will never get to top end of variable pay. You will never be able to exceed your goals because you aren't picking up the phone. That's a pass fail metric. And that was a challenge for me to explain. And in the end, I was able to keep what I wanted. Well, so I'm, I'm interested in this because, so you ran this super successful outsource company, you know what you're doing, you had a successful launch, you know, and not, not that, not that, you know, ego is always a big challenge, but how do you, how do you deal with people who come to you and they're like, well, you know, and again, it's the attitude, right? And the respect that you get, but they're like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And it's somebody who's never done what you're doing. I mean, how do you keep your ego in check and not go through and just want to say, screw you, buddy, you know, like, get out of my way, you know, where, how do you keep yourself emotionally together when there's just these people doing that? I mean, you know what I'm saying? I do. I think that for me, don't get me wrong, I have a huge ego. I know it exists. I have it, but it's never been a motivator for me. So being told I'm right is great, but what I like to do when people say, why, 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 why? There's always numbers to back that up. So for me, how I fix that problem in my life is what do the numbers show you? Because the numbers don't lie. So someone says, why would you do this? Here's a a simple example. We wanted second monitors for our team. It's not something that Huntress has done because nobody really needs them. My team needs them for landscape. And I was able to say, here's the productivity of a team before a second monitor. Here's the productivity of a team after a second monitor. 57% difference in the way that my team functioned when they had extra screen space. The why, 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 we've never done it that way. It's not important. Nobody else has that. Back it up with numbers. Yeah. I didn't have to explain how I felt because that doesn't get you anywhere. I had to explain what does it provide just dazzle them. There's a guy, Demings, he was a economics guy. I can't remember what he does, but he, his, his big thing was everybody has an opinion, but you know, you have to bring the data. 
if you, if you, everything else, if you don't have the data, then go get it and come back and talk to me. And it just sort of, like you said, it wipes out the ego and the emotion part of it. I love that. That's such great advice. Yeah. I taught some of my staff at Managed Sales Pros that very concept. Don't come to me and ask for a raise. Don't come to me and advocate for your team to get X. Bring me the data that shows why they're deserving of it. And the conversation isn't a conversation now. Now it's okay. I can clearly see objectivity versus subjectivity. It's easy to come to the table and say, so-and-so deserves a raise. Maybe they do, but show me how I can give them that raise. Show me what they're bringing to the table and how I can make that a good business decision. A good business case. Okay. This is so great. Everybody needs a Tracy in their life. I wish I had a Tracy (laughs) in my life. You would make it so much better. So what's next now? So you've been there for a while. You've got the lay of the land. Where do you go from here? Well, world domination, obviously. Okay. (laughs) So the the goal for Huntress, of course, is to grow their market share. For me, the goal is to advance sales development inside the company to not only bring more, I mean, we do sales appointment setting. It's what we do. Regardless of where I did it, that is what I do and it's what I'm good at. But for me, what I want to see happen is growth. I have a growth mindset. I believe that I'm growing people. When people ask me what I do, I don't say I'm the director of sales development. I say I grow people. My goal is to grow careers at Huntress. My goal is to grow market share at Huntress. I want to work with everybody on my team to make sure that they are somewhere more exciting, 9, 12, 18 months, two years down the line. Sales development reps are not permanent hires. You don't hire someone as an SDR and expect them to stay there for five years. You hire someone as an SDR for what they might be doing 18 months down the line. Career trajectory inside Huntress is really important. It's something we focus on. We're a growing business. There are all kinds of opportunities. And the next couple of years, I want to see how we can take that process-driven piece that I bring to the table and use it across the entire company. I talk a lot about how cold calling is the ultimate infinite game. If you're familiar with the finite and infinite game theory by Dr. James Cars. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> okay, well, this. The goal of the infinite game is to simply continue the game. So there are finite games, start, middle, and end, sports. Sure. A football game is finite. There's a winner and a loser. It starts, it has a midsection, and it ends. But a finite game really has no ending. The finite game continues. The players change. Maybe the process changes. But the goal is to stay in the game as long as humanly possible. And for the winning the infinite game is just the ability to play the next game. And when I think about sales prospecting, that's how I think of it. It really is. There's, there's no winning or losing, David. It's the chance to play again. You set a sales appointment. Excellent. Check it off. Do another one. Check it off. Do another one. And get better every time. Consistent improvement. Now, and now so, and this is just, you know how comfortable you feel answering, but do you see yourself growing within the company beyond the, the realm of sales development? Or is this, this is your thing, you're sticking with it for the foreseeable future? I don't know if I've thought that far ahead, if I'm being really honest. One thing that I would say is a shortcoming for me is I think a lot in the here and now. I am 
often very focused on what's in front of me. So as of today, this is where I am. Huntress hires, though, for growth, right? We hire for the person you're going to become. And Huntress wouldn't have hired me if they didn't think that I had growth potential. And we're a growing company. In the long run, will there be a, a VP of sales development? Will there be a, an executive spot open at the table for me? I can tell you that if there is, I'll be bringing my seat to it. Nice, nice. It's interesting because we keep going back to Carrie, but it's like Carrie's, Carrie's out like, you know, skydiving and, and just having all this vision of what's going on. And then she works with you and makes it a reality. So it's like yin and yang yes. of bringing it together. And it's amazing what can happen in that case. I yeah. feel very privileged to have worked with Carrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people often say to me, well, how long have you known him, Carrie? Well, I've known her my entire life. She is the older of the two by, by just over a year. Carrie is absolutely the other side of me. I can't think like she does. We are able to pull things out of each other's brains. And one of the things I'm so excited about is that now I can do that with her again on something that isn't binding us together. Now we can think and dream big about other things that aren't work-related. For such a long time, we were work-focused. I think Carrie and I had a conversation last week, maybe for the first time in eight years, where we didn't talk about work at all. We talked about being sisters. We talked like siblings talk, and we haven't done that in eight years. It was a really big decision for me to make a move like this. And it came down to the point where I just wanted to be sisters with my sister. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. And now the sky's the limit, right? Because you can work on, you know, things that are, you know, beyond just the company itself. So it's a new chapter for your relationship. It absolutely is. And I'm, I'm excited about what the next couple of years are going to bring. Growth is going to be the focus. I can't say it any other way. People growth. Two years from now, the team I'm working with, will all be doing something else. Hopefully, they'll all be doing something else at Huntress. But if they grow outside of our business, I'm happy for that as well, the same as I was at Managed Sales Pros. I want my people to grow. And because if they grow, the company grows. 100%. And, and I saw a good title on somebody's LinkedIn was, it's the sales and talent pipeline when you think about sales development. So it's not just the, you know, making the calls, getting the appointments, hitting the pipeline numbers, but it's also the talent pipeline, you know, for the company and et cetera. And actually, you know, for (laughs) name dropping so much, but Danielle, who works at Huntress, was one of the SDRs at OpenDNS. I don't know if you know that. And now she's just crushing it over there. I'm really excited to have been able to come up through the industry with a lot of the same people. I'm working with a ton of people at Huntress that I worked with in other places. Andrew Kaiser, Daniel Painter, Tony Piha, Matt Tomlinson. We've all come through the industry together in various places, and I've had an opportunity to work with them. And that's one of the things that made this transition so easy for me. Everyone understood who I was, and no one said, who's that new girl? She doesn't know anything. I didn't come to the table. Yeah, It's a vehicle. I mean, you know, you've got a great product, and there's an infinite market, and you've got some allies on board. So. Mm -hmm. What and an awesome opportunity. None of them tell terrible stories about me, which fascinates me. I've yet to come across anyone telling, you know, where my bodies are buried. They don't so. know you well enough. 
Oh man. Well, Tracy, this has been an amazing conversation and we need to go back, get you back on and talk about, you know, how you set up that talent pipeline next time, because I'm sure that you've got it dialed in and there's so many topics, but thank you so much for coming on the show. And if folks want to connect with you and learn more about your doing, what's the best way? Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Drop me an email. I'm Tracy, which is T-R-A-C-I-E dot Orisco, O-R-I-S-K-O at HuntressLabs.com. I'm always happy to have chats. David, I love to talk sales development. Catch me at a time when I have time on my hands and I'll talk your ear off. (laughs) Well, we'll get you back on. Tracy, thank you so much for coming on the Sales Development Podcast. Appreciate the opportunity, David. It was a pleasure to catch up. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.